The following is a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org. You know, I, I love going on road trips, and I love it because it's an excuse to stop and get some fast food. You know, I try to stay away from the stuff. Too many carbs, too much fat, right? I'm getting old. I have to watch those things now. I used to live on that stuff, but now I just can't, can't do it. I get sluggish and I get lethargic. And you know what? Churches can be very much like that. If our intake is nothing but the lightweight stuff, the high carbs and the high fat stuff, and not the real meat, not the real solid nutritional things that God wants for us. The early church... When they began their road trip, they were, on the, they were in danger really of failing. If you know about anything, anything when something starts, it's really within the first short period of time that it either succeeds or it fails. And so the early church really needed to get down what was important for them to sustain them in the long journey that God had called them, the Great Commission to reach out to the world. And the writer of Acts, Luke, writes about that. He gives us those things that the early church did that gave it the strength, the energy, the stamina to make it in the first century world. In Acts, the second chapter, near the end of it, this is what, this is what Luke says about the early church. They, the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Four things that they devoted themselves to. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All, all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You see, this is the description of the early church immediately following Peter's great sermon about who Jesus is and what Jesus had done for us. An expression, an outpouring of God's love to each one of us. And many were added to the church. Many came to know the love Christ had for them. And that's still the way it is in the church today. It's a part of, of what we proclaim to the world. It's a part of who we are as the people of God. But in a rush and, and busy world in which we live, we often kind of lose those basic things, you know, that really kind of were our foundation in Christ there's so many urgent things that just keep coming our way. We forget the foundation upon which God wants us to build our lives and the church in which he has called us to. 
Now, some people will tell you there's like six different principles of, of the church, the purposes of the church. There's five, there's seven, there's ten. I don't know how many there are. They, they, they keep telling you there's a different number because they want to, they want to tell you these things. But, but here in this text, we really see that early church, and we see four main things, four foundational things that make the church the church and helped it survive in the first century. The first thing is that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, what they did was they really devoted themselves to learning, to listening to what the apostles were telling them about the person and work of Jesus Christ. They were, wanted to learn. And the first Christian education program was not to little children or teens, but to adults. Yes, adults were involved in Christian education, in learning more about who God was and what God wanted them to do. When was the last time you learned something? Anybody learning a foreign language? Did you learn a foreign language, Richard, to go to? You're working on it. Good. Uh, Anybody else learning something? Come on, we're we're family here. You can go ahead and tell me. I I won't tell anyone. Somebody learning a musical instrument to play in the youth band, maybe? No? Are you awake out there? Yes, okay. What we learn says something about us. You see, what we learn tells other people what we hold to be important. Richard, foreign language, because he travels to Italy almost every other month, I think, isn't it? It seems like it. You're gone always off to, to, to Italy. If we learn how to uh, play a musical instrument that says we like something about music and that's a part of our lives. If we're studying finance and the stock market that says something about who we are. If we're studying automotive repair that says something about us, usually that our car is old and breaks down a lot, right? I just did a wheel bearing job on mine and I went to YouTube and they'd show you exactly what to do and the steps to, to do it. And I It was an important thing to me. So what we learn really says something about us. And in the Christian community, are we saying the same things? Are we saying to the world around us that we are interested in the things of God, in the things that He wants to teach us? Are we really interested in those things? Or is it just something we say and kind of just step back and say, well, you know, that's really... For, for someone else. I'm, I'm just a little too old to be learning something new. You ever use the phrase that you can't teach an old dog new tricks? And re- reference to yourself, right? But the truth is you can teach an old dog new tricks. First, you have to get their attention. And second, you have to have really good treats. My son has two Australian shepherds, and these are very intelligent dogs. I don't know if you have an Australian shepherd. They are amazingly smart dogs and amazingly energetic. They are just so full of energy. And, and when you go to their house and they actually let them in, they, these dogs seem like they're everywhere. It seems like a dozen dogs instead of just two. And they're running around you and climbing over things. And and they're just so excited, so full of energy. 
They won't sit still. They won't sit. You can try hanging on to them and they're, and they're off. Until my son takes out the treats. And almost immediately when they discover he has a treat, they are in rapt attention. They will sit still and not move a muscle. They'll shake hands. They'll play dead. They'll roll over. They'll spin around. They'll hold the treat on their nose and not move until he gives them the word. And then, bam, they're, they're on that, that treat. We, too, can learn some new things if we have the desire that what we get, the benefit from learning that, is something great, something we need, something we will love and enjoy. And that's the way it is with, with things of God, that he has such wonderful, marvelous things for us. God has the best treats, if I could kind of say it that way, if you'd allow me to do that. That's what the early church devoted themselves to. And along with that, they devoted themselves to fellowshipping together, to being together, not just learning and then going off on their own way, but to spend time, quality time, lengthy time together. They fellowshiped together. Someone once said, fellowship is not just two fellows in a ship. It's people who who spend quality, long-lasting time together. You know, it seems we don't learn social graces anymore. I've been told there was a time that people used to teach social graces, how to greet uh, an older person, how to have a conversation with someone, kind of the, the, the key kinds of things to start on the, on the fringe and then move towards deeper things. Which spoon to start with at dinner and which fork to use last and which thing was, went with the dessert? How to say hello to someone, how to ask someone out on a date. All those things we used to teach. And, and it seems that, you know, some of those were kind of corny, but yet, we, we've stopped learning how to fellowship, how to move from one level of a relationship to the deeper things. And I think we have suffered as a society. Even church, we struggle with having fellowship. Sure, we, we stand up and shake hands with people. That should just be the start. That's not the end. We think that's the whole thing of fellowship. But, but it really isn't. It's, it's going beyond that to, to understanding who these people are and, and knowing them on a more intimate scale. Here at Highlands, we have three worship services. And so often, people who come to the very earliest one at 8.30 don't know anybody who comes to the 11 o'clock service. And we need this crossing over, really, for a, a healthy, strong church a church where people know each other who are willing to share their lives with each other. Our nation used to be called a melting pot. Maybe if you grew up in the, in the 50s and 60s, you heard that term, a melting pot, where people from all over the world came and were stirred into a wonderful tasting meal. Now we're more like a spice rack. You know, we are all in our little separate niches, and we never seem to come together. But the church can make a difference in that. The church can help change some of those things. And the society in which we live, where different people from different cultures can come together 
and to get to know each other on a deeper, deeper level. One of the ways we do that is what Scripture says, the breaking of bread. They met the early church. They broke bread together. Now, some people think that that was they had communion, but more often when communion was referenced, they said it was the Lord's Supper. They celebrated the Lord's Supper together. Breaking of the bread was really having a meal together, sitting down and eating together. In fact, it's so important in the early church that it's mentioned twice in the short passage here about what was the foundation of the early church. They broke bread together and fellowshiped together. They ate together. It's so important. And it's such a connection when you sit and eat. The world's trying to figure this out, that it's good to sit down at mealtime as a family. It's a time where we can share of our lives and find out what's going on in the lives of our children. And they learn something about us as well and what it means to be an adult and how to act as an adult and how to live in a very complex, difficult world, that, that life isn't the life of childhood forever. Breaking of the bread connects people. When Peggy and I were in Israel a few years ago, we went with a, a, a tour group. I helped lead a, a Holy Land tour. And we had a couple of days in Jerusalem. And so we went into to Jerusalem, uh, the old city, at night and just to experience it rather than in the daytime, at, at nighttime with, with lights. And, the, and it's very nice in the evening. But because we were there at night, we couldn't go through a section to get back to our hotel. And we had to leave by a different gate in the old wall of the old city and find, try to find our way back to our hotel. And we were a little confused because everything was in Hebrew and we forgot to learn Hebrew before we went. So the, the group that I was with, about six of us, we were standing on this corner of a crossing of these two major streets trying to figure out if we should go this way or that way and which would get us back to our hotel. And we noticed a man on the other side of the boulevard watching us. Now, whenever you're in a foreign country and you feel someone watching you, you get a little uncomfortable. You're not sure exactly why they're watching you. And as it turned out, we had to cross that boulevard. We figured it out, but we had to cross that. And as we crossed, the gentleman was still there. And he said to us, I notice that you're trying to figure something out. Can I help you? He says, I, I'm, I'm a Palestinian. I live here. Can I, can I help you? And we, so we explained to him who we were, that we were part of a tour group. We were on a Holy Land tour trying to find our way back to the hotel. He said, I'm a Christian too. In fact, I have a shop in the Christian sector of the old city. How can I help you? And he, so we said, this is the hotel we're going to. He pointed us and directed us. And then as we were leaving, he opened the bag that he was carrying and pulled out the bread that he had bought to take home for dinner, his own dinner, that evening. And he said, it's our custom to break bread with strangers in our land, and I want you to have some bread. And so he took the bread and he tore it and gave us each, each a piece. Bread is one of those things that just screams, I'm at home. 
It just speaks to us about being comfortable and that we are with family and that we are in a place where there is no danger, where we can relax and know that, that it is a safe place to be. That's the way we felt on that street in Jerusalem, really not knowing exactly where we were. But this man broke bread with us and shared that. The next day, we went in search of his shop, and we were going down the street, and there are very crowded, narrow streets with very tiny shops, and we had missed his place, but he spotted us. He recognized us and came up to us and said, come, I want you to have some tea. And so we went into his shop. He sat us down, and we had tea, and he sold us far too many things we really didn't need. But you know what? It was worth every penny to connect with someone in a deeper level, in a foreign land where we felt that we were strangers. But he made us feel like family. Now, it might, be a, it might have been a sales tactic. I, I don't know. But you know what? That is so striking in my memory of our time in the Holy Land. Far too often we eat and run. We don't spend the time to connect with people. And maybe there's someone in your life you haven't connected with very well lately. Maybe there's a neighbor that you have that uh, lost a spouse or has been alone for many years and just doesn't seem to have a lot of connection with the outside world. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's even your own spouse. You just haven't had the time to go out and just sit and talk with each other. Maybe it's your child that seems to be just on the run and just you can't get them to sit down for two seconds to have a, a conversation. Anybody feel that way? Anybody know someone like that that, that they don't have? I, I have some gift cards for you. I want to pay for you to take someone out. And so I've got a gift card here. These are $10 gift cards now. Aren't you sorry you didn't raise your hand? Didn't you raise your hand? Right here? There you go. Now, there's some stipulations that go with these. Oh, I didn't get to that side of the room, did I? Was there someone on this side of the room that really has somebody they'd like to take out to, to somewhere? No? You're all, now you're all afraid. To, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to scare you that way. Take someone out. And then if you feel comfortable doing that, drop me a note telling me about what you did, where you went, and, and what kind of a, an experience you had. Connecting with someone. Email me. You can go to the church website. Just send it to the office at highlandsadventure.org, and, and I'll get that note. Love to hear your story. Now, that doesn't let the rest of you off, okay? The rest of you, you're on your own to pay for your time of fellowship and breaking bread. Think about someone who you'd like to spend some time with, sharing of your life and their life, someone you haven't connected with lately. I think you'll find that doing that is a time of joy, of life and unity. It's an expression of who we are in Christ. And those are the, really the same aspects 
of what the last thing, the number fourth thing that, that, that the gospel, the, the uh, book of Acts tells us about the early church. And that is that the early church prayed together. They prayed together. As an expression of their life, unity, joy, those are the things that we too express when we find time to pray together and express what God is doing in our lives back to Him and to share with each other. Here at Highlands, you each get a connection card every Sunday morning, and you can write a prayer request on there, and I know many of you do. There are groups of people who pray for those people, everything on that card that gets listed as a prayer concern. Maybe you'd like to be one of those people who pray for other people. There's great joy in praying for others. It really lifts us out of our self-centeredness and helps us focus on the needs and, and hurts of others. So if you'd like to be part of that prayer, prayer group, write on there. Put, add me to the prayer group. Put your email address on there. If you have a prayer concern, put it on there. Those do get prayed for. It was prayer that sustained the early church, and it is prayer that sustains the 21st century church. It's what sets us apart from any other social group around. It's the fact that we spend time praying. We pray before this service begins on Sunday morning. We gather in the cafe over here and spend time praying for you praying for those who are coming, praying for God to move in a mighty way in these worship services. Prayer is central to who we are in Christ, and it is foundational for us as the church. These are the things that sustain us on the road trip which Christ calls us to, to devote ourselves to learning more about who Jesus is and what he would have us do with our lives. To fellowship with each other, to get to know each other, not just I know your name, but I know some some real things about you. I, I know you on a deeper level than just the surface. To break bread with each other, to eat with each other, to share of that time with each other, and to connect, and then to pray to lift each other, to uphold each other, to surround each other with prayer. That is such a great opportunity as being part of the family of God that so many of us don't take advantage of it. We rarely take advantage of any one of those things. I would like to challenge you to begin to take a step in one of those areas. Maybe it's not the, the breaking of bread thing. Maybe it's not the, the learning thing, but maybe it's just a little bit of fellowship or maybe it's some prayer time where God can use you to begin to develop these foundational things that He wants to be so much a part of you that you can't, can't hardly even distinguish when you move from one area to the other, that prayer overlaps everything that you do, that fellowship is always something you're concerned about. You're constantly learning new things, and you're being fed not only physically, but spiritually as a member of the family of Christ. 
You know, we can choose to live on high carbs and fat, on the fast food that so many people are willing for us to give and to get. Or we can seek the real meat, the real healthy part of being a person in Christ. Far too long we've survived on the fast foods, and that's okay. It has sustained us. But in order to make the long journey, we need something more than just fast food. We need the deeper meat, the deeper strength, the deeper foundational things that God has in store for us. I pray that's your desire. I I know that sometimes we just feel overloaded by the world around us, that we just can't seem to add one more thing to our schedules. But the treats God has for us, if I can say it that way, are so good and so great and so valuable that we will find once we begin that journey towards what God wants us to do and be, we will, have, we will be in rapt attention to everything He wants in our lives. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, we thank You that You gave the first century t- church so many really great and wonderful things that you held them together and sustained them in a time where they were at risk of being destroyed and being put down. But yet you filled them with your good food. You helped them to uh, fellowship around tables and to pray and to know more and more about who you are and what you have in store for each one of us. Lord, open our eyes as you did the first century church to be who you are calling us to be, to reach out to those around us and to bring them along on this great journey you have set us on. Lord, thank you that you consider us worthy to be called one of your children. Bless us, Lord, as your people and continue to guide and direct our lives. In your precious name we pray. Amen. This has been a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org.